this is not about selling today one product. This is about long-lasting relationships and selling you a lot of products about that topic. Kim Kardashian sells clicks, not shoes. Clicks. These guys sell you product, a product that fits you. Your fitness trainer is talking to you. Kim Kardashian will never do that. That's the beauty of personalization. It's a long-lasting. the last time you checked into the metaverse. It might be more recently than you think, and you've probably been doing it for longer than you realize. Personal commerce is one of the ways that the metaverse is being utilized right now, and Plaza is a platform that has been making it possible. Customers who shop online and are given personal recommendations from experts at a brand are already engaging in real time in the metaverse, but they are also having a better overall shopping experience. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, I chatted with Roger Casals, the co-founder and CEO of Plaza. We talked about how the company is not only bringing e-commerce to the next level, but helping brands improve LTV and build customer loyalty at the same time. Roger tells me his thoughts about the future of personal commerce, why it's different from social commerce, and what you should actually be thinking about when you're making personal commerce a part of your total strategy. Enjoy this episode. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show, and I would really love it. So please, let me know how I'm doing, and give me a rating, give me a review. Let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Roger, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, so I'd love to start with hearing a bit about Plaza and you know what led you to creating this company. Well, I'm an entrepreneur. I had five exits. I created several companies and uh, I always wanted to create something big. Retail seemed to be a big enough space. I hate to buy online. And a friend of mine and I uh, decided that there was a big opportunity to get into the game of helping retail companies uh, to create a new sales channel because it's uh, in much need right now. At the same time, help experts to monetize an expertise that right now they are giving away almost for free. Mm-hmm. So what maybe had you interested in this to even to begin with? Thinking about, okay, we need there's a lot of experts out there, but they're not really getting paid for what they're doing. There's a lot of brands who want to tap into this. I mean, like, where do you think this interest came from to begin with? The truth is, I'm a terrible online buyer. I hate to buy online because... When I go to Amazon, I always know what I want to buy, the exact part. 
But I'm a, a doubtful person. I always doubt what actually to buy. And I will always uh, feel that I would love to have someone uh, helping me while buying something to get advice. And uh, Amazon doesn't provide that. Nobody does. And that's why we decided to jump into this, uh, uh, even for ourselves. Yeah. Okay. And for anyone who doesn't know Plaza, can you explain high level what it is and who's the buyer? Plaza is uh, the first personal commerce platform. Okay. We provide a platform that helps big companies or even small companies like L'Oreal to help experts, product funds, to monetize the expertise that they have on their own products while increasing the customer satisfaction and uh, creating long-lasting relationships because they get personalized recommendations. So our mission is to connect companies with consumers through empowering experts to recommend products to their own circle of influence. Okay. And so, I mean, before you built Plaza, you are a multi-time founder. You've had, I think it's five successful exits, right? Yep. Okay. I want to hear... Very lucky. That's amazing. I mean, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. But I want to hear the backstory there first. Before we jump back into Plaza, I want to hear about your previous companies and just maybe kind of like, what did that look like? And what did you learn from five exits? And to also, side note, to big companies like Symantec, like Informatica. So tell me a bit about that. Well, first of all, since I was a kid, I always wanted to be involved in software companies and uh, create a company. I had no idea exactly what to do, obviously, but uh, my, my friends remind me that when I was even 13 years old, I want to be an entrepreneur. I never know what that meant uh, or entailed, but that's what I always said. And I started the easiest way possible, right? So I had the opportunity to create a consulting firm me being the first employee and the only, the sole employee of that consulting firm. And then a second person, a third person, this is the cheapest way to create a company. You don't need money. You only need time and some expertise on something or at least fake it. And then uh, there you go. You start creating your own company. And we were very successful. I've been a lucky guy because I started in this business in the 95-ish or something like that. That time, even a monkey could create a company, you know, because, uh, yes, in, in our space, in the, in the tech space, because there was very little people and there was a big demand. And this is how things started. And the way I build those these different companies, uh, not alone, always uh, with some partners, I'm not a serial entrepreneur. I'm a parallel entrepreneur because every single company that I created was a spin-off from the previous one. For me, it's the, again, it's the easiest way. Not, instead of starting from scratch, you start from an idea and then you leverage some of the customers that you have from the previous company that they basically shared some interest in that company, in that product, and then you start building up. You have the MVP, you, you, know, you share it with them, they are in love, and then you say, hey, there's something here, let's create a company, let's you know, bring some resources to that and then build up. So I'm not the typical serial entrepreneur. I have some companies that are not related to the previous ones, but in most cases, yes, uh, they are all spin-offs of the previous one because we learn something of the market that can be leveraged in a different way in a separate company. Okay, that's a really cool way to think about building companies. I want to maybe start with like the first company. What was it? And then what was spun off from that? And then what was spun off for that? I want to kind of think through the mapping now. So uh, it, it actually, I was born at the right time because uh, I grew the companies alongside the market. So I started uh, working with the uh, consulting for the ERP. When ERP was a cool stuff, when nobody had ERPs and everyone wanted ERPs, 
we were there helping them. And then we saw that the next big thing was uh, about to be the CRMs. Okay, now we have all the accountability and, and, and operations uh, set up in the ERP. Now we want to manage uh, customers. So CRM is the next big thing. And then we created a company called Intelligent Business Solutions that uh, created products and services around a CRM. In that case, at that time, was uh, Vantive, a company that doesn't exist anymore. And then uh, was acquired by PeopleSoft, I, I guess. And then the next one was uh, another company called, a uh, spin-off from that one, Power Data. Okay, Power Data is a company that manages data because now that you have operations set up, you have uh, your customer relationship set up, you need business intelligence. Okay, you need to create uh, reports and then you need to create that data warehouses. Here is where it comes, uh, Power Data, that basically distributed uh, a product from Informatica. That company was ultimately uh, acquired by Informatica because uh, what we did, they felt that it was cool. From that company, we created a, a separate entity called Lantares. And Lantares was basically doubling down into the business intelligence world with uh, predictions and uh, analytics, some uh, artificial intelligence. So uh, in that realm. And then something interesting happened. Uh, while in a customer, I was presenting that the products that we were using had single sign-on. And a customer said, I was selling business intelligence, but the customer said, oh, that thing that you mentioned about single sign-on is very interesting. He misunderstood me because I was not selling single sign-on. I was selling business intelligence. I just said that that was a feature. But I realized that there was a product, that there was an opportunity. So here it comes. Wow, there's a need for this market. I'm going to create a company for a single sign-on. We did a, an MVP. We presented it. He said, that's exactly what I need. And he bought it. So overnight, we had a company. We had a product. Let's grow it. And then we spin off the, uh, the company. Password Bank was born. Okay, And then I focused on Password Bank uh, 100% of the time. Uh, we grew it. We moved to the US. It's been 14 years now. And then a few years later, uh, we had several uh, bidders for the company because we were doing uh, something very cool for security, uh, cybersecurity, the cool way to say it. Symantec uh, made an offer and we, we sold the company. Mm -hmm. Okay. Spent three years in Symantec and that's when I left Symantec. I, and this is Plaza, the new project, is the first company that it's not a spin-off. Trying something new. From the previous ones because we started from scratch. Yes. Okay. Before Plaza, when you were spinning up these companies, and I mean, how did you go about finding good engineers to make what you wanted, to build this MVP? It sounds like you worked pretty quickly. I mean, what did it look like to actually assemble a team and get them behind a new idea that, you know, you didn't have customers for yet? This is about uh, 25 years. So the landscape has been changing dramatically. So at the very beginning in the 90s and, and early 2000s, finding a, a, an engineer was cheap and easy, okay? Because at least in, in Spain, there was not many project, cool projects to work with, okay? So we had no problem hiring people, very talented people. We have very good universities. We had at that time very cheap engineers and they were awesome. But right now in Barcelona, we have a hub of a technological hub. There are many, many, many thousands of companies uh, working on tech. So now there's a scarcity on engineers. Now it's more difficult to find uh, engineers, not even good ones, just engineers. It's really tough. And in terms of um, finding resources, for example, when I started uh, finding resources, uh, VCs, 
there was no VCs in Spain whatsoever. So we were the first investment from our VC and we were the first exit from our VC at Password Bank. So you can imagine it's, uh, it, there was no culture for VCs. Now there's uh, hundreds of VCs in Spain already. So the, the landscape has shifted and, and changed uh, dramatically. Got it. Definitely seems a lot trickier now. I mean, talking to any of my friends who are, you know, when they are starting startups back in the Bay Area, back when I first moved there, and just that was the number one thing is unable to find people to actually build it, you know, who have really high salary requirements. And it's harder to get an MVP built these days um, in general. And another important thing is today, uh, you need to create your own network of experts and, and talent and uh, investors, etc. So you can basically create a project from scratch rapidly. Uh, otherwise, uh, starting from scratch with no context, it's uh, no, no way. There's no problem. How do you go about today building your network and kind of keeping, I mean, when thinking about Plaza, not a spinoff company, quite a bit different than, you know, previous companies. The beauty is I had already a big network of friends and people I, I, I did work with. So it was easier at that time. The way I see many companies uh, created now, it's uh, two ways. Or uh, you have your friends from uh, school, from college, etc. Or uh, you basically get those uh, contacts from your own investor. You convince an investor that you have a good thing and then they can bring. And it's part of the job of VCs right now is help you with the network of contacts, bringing you the right talent. Now, talent is about it's everything. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. Finding those good investors who aren't just there for money, but can actually bring you maybe clients, bring you business partners. Yeah, support system. That's, to me, way more important. And uh, everybody promises that they are here to help. And uh, they want to, but they not, not all of them, they know how to do that. Yeah, yeah, agree. So with Plaza, if I'm thinking, you know, I put my brand hat on right now and I'm thinking, okay, how can I start tapping into this technology. Like I'm a company, I'm selling something and I'm like, I really want to start having a more personalized approach. I love the idea of having experts recommend things. I mean, that's where the world is heading anyways right now when it comes to sales. A lot of people do rely on the influencers, the people who've used it. So if I'm a brand, how do I think about, you know, implementing this and what it could do for me? The first thing that you have to do is to understand the concept because this is different. It's very easy to start, but you have to bear in mind that it has to be strategic for you to get into personal commerce. So 20 years ago, you had retail stores only, and uh, you had doubts whether or not to have online stores. Today, 20 years later, everybody agrees that you have to be online, period. Well, 20 years from now, maybe just 10 years or five years from, from, from today, nobody will doubt that you need retail stores, online, and personal commerce, okay? And the, once you decide that this is strategic for you, you want to be there, then it's uh, everything is easy because you have to basically adopt a personal commerce platform like Plaza or anyone else, if you find one, then you implement what we call the widgets, a means in your website to let users to pull recommendations from experts. You have to invite experts you can start with your own employees. You can start with your own fan base and you train them and integrate the catalog with a plaza and then just measure the results. It's that easy. When I say that you have to, it has to be strategic is because you have to think in a different way. You have to think, okay, I have to share part of my revenue with those experts that deserve a commission. And that's a totally different mindset. So you have to involve sales, marketing, human resources, legal, 
put them all together so they understand that we have to share commissions with experts, what's the relationship that we will have with them, how are we going to pay them, because we pay them, we provide all that technology, but it's pretty easy because the big burden is on us, technologically speaking. Yeah, got it. When they're inviting experts on, I mean, what do you see working best for companies right now? Because I'm thinking about it personally. If I went to a website and I saw maybe someone's employees on there, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I mean, you're pretty biased. You're an employee versus someone who maybe just loves the product. I'm like, I probably would trust that person more. But what are you seeing? Our recommendation is not to use uh, employees uh, whatsoever. Yep. But here's the thing. Let me switch the, the topic here because this is about trust. So... Yeah, you can think that that person is biased while you have not created a relationship with, with him or her. But this is a different thing. So you are asking for advice about the product. So you want someone that actually knows the product. If it's someone that is not biased because it's, it does not belong to the company, the better. This is why Plaza makes sense. We bring those experts for you. So we vet those experts. Uh, those experts know the product. They're not biased towards the brand nor the commission. Because they can recommend that product or anything else. They decide to recommend you about that specific product uh, because you asked for it. But they can make money selling a BMW or a Toyota. Uh, it's what really fits you. Not everyone can buy a Bentley. Okay, Not everyone wants to buy a Honda. It, it, it depends. Different markets, different. That's the beauty of personalization. Uh, we call it hyper-personalization. How do you think about creating an incentive model so that all the experts don't just recommend everything so they can make money. I mean, to me, you would never say anything bad about any product. Then you would never be like, oh, this one actually is like, you know, made my skin dry. Like, why would you tell anyone anything bad? Because there goes your commission. If that person chooses, okay, I'm just not going to buy it. I'm going to go to Target and like something else. Because, and this is something that we have uh, data uh, about. This is not about uh, selling today one product. This is about long-lasting relationships and selling you a lot of products about that topic. If you go to your pharmacist, why the pharmacist will recommend you something that doesn't fit you? He'd rather have you, no, don't buy this product because it's, it's not for you. It's not the bad product, but probably it's not for you. You have a dry skin. This is not for you. You need that other one that is most moisture or whatever. He wants that pharmacist wants you to come back again. The same for your fitness trainer. Why he would recommend you a fitness product that doesn't fit you? Let me give you an example. In our platform, we have products that are uh, more than $13,000 uh, a piece because those are big trainer things, etc. And you may think, oh, those are the products that will be more recommended because uh, they provide the biggest uh, commission. Well, guess what? Uh, our data shows that those are the products that are less recommended. Only when it fits... Uh, because it's a big budget, you would think, oh, the biggest commission is what they will recommend the best. No, because it's personal. If you have a personal trainer, uh, they don't live out only about the, the selling those products. They want just to monetize that expertise that recommended your product, and it will be an honest and truthful recommendation for you. That's the beauty of personalization. It's a long-lasting. Yeah, what's interesting is thinking about a lot of the tools today are kind of trying to mimic what happened Back in the old days when, you know, you would go into exactly. your old, like, you know, tool shop and you would know the owner and they would find what you wanted. And so it begs the question of how are you thinking about, you know, I come on the platform and I find someone that's like a really good expert who's like, I know Stephanie likes this and this. I'm going to send her here and maybe send her outside of this store to a different store. And then when she comes back, 
I'm still going to be here. Like, how do you think about actually creating that relationship so that I can go back and be like, hey, I love Stacy. Like, I want to, you know, see if she's on here to talk to you today because she already recommended three good products. Well, that's the essence of personal commerce. So you nail it. We've seen uh, with a big brand like L'Oreal. In Mexico, we have several brands of L'Oreal using our product. And we've seen that we double the lifetime value and the recurrence of the same users compared to uh, users that never uh, use personal commerce. So those users that use personal commerce come back and buy twice as much as people that never interacted with an expert. So the personal interaction is about long-term relationships. So they come back for more. So you better treat them well and give them the right product every time so they will come back for more. So in the long run, you make much more money than today selling you the expensive product that doesn't feed you. So it's absolutely, it's about uh, personalization and knowing the customer and giving truthful and honest recommendations, yes. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine, who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. What are maybe some surprises brands have when they're trying to implement this? Is there anything that maybe you see brands sometimes get hung up on? Anything around that experience? Many. Personal prices, uh, I don't trust these numbers. To be true, that's the first uh, initial reaction all the time. The, the, the second thing is confusing social commerce with personal commerce. Those are two different beasts. Personal commerce means you have a person talking to a person, long-lasting relationships. Example, everyone in a big company has a support department, okay? Customer support. Those are the first that they want to put into the personal commerce platform to provide support. When that happens... I did a poor job because they didn't understand the uh, basics of personal commerce. This is not about giving support. This is about creating relationships. They usually ask us, oh, do you have metrics on open tickets and closed tickets? We do not, we do not have that. Because this is like WhatsApp or a Facebook Messenger. You send a message to your, uh, your friend and you don't expect to get a message saying, oh, this thread is closed. No, you want to open relationships and long-lasting, and you want to keep that channel open. That's what we do. And that's the first surprise. They, they, they ask you how to close a ticket. There's no thing, no such thing. Got it. Yeah, I always like it when I go back to certain websites and you see the chat, even if it was from like six months ago or something, you're like, do you want to open this chat again with the same person? Even if it's not, even if it's a bot, I'm still like, yeah, that'd be way easier. Even if it's the same process behind the scenes of just starting a chat with someone, I like the idea of like, well, you remembered, and I can actually at least look at what I asked for back in the day. And if it's easier to reopen in my mind, I'd rather do that than start something brand new that feels like, yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> and how many times we interact with support and we have to explain the same thing mm -hmm. to three different people. That's, uh, 
disgusting. Yep. That's what we tend to avoid. Yep. So what are you most excited about over the next like one to three years when it comes to you know, personalized shopping? I could say several things. Probably the most important thing from our perspective is the realization that we're doing something different because uh, companies are uh, starting to see that uh, this is a, a win-win-win situation. Customers get uh, an elevated shopping experience. So they come back for more. Lifetime value increases. The second one is, okay, we sell more. But at the same time, we're doing good because those fans that usually recommend our product for free now are mon- being monetized. So I have a fan base that is loyal to us because we pay them accordingly to their value, which is recommending products. Okay, So to me, the most uh, important thing is... Uh, getting personal commerce mainstream. And Salesforce is helping us a lot because uh, they embrace this idea. They call it peer-to-peer commerce. And they basically think that the biggest disbursement uh, in the coming years in e-commerce is precisely peer-to-peer commerce. So I think that we're getting there. That's what excites me. Uh, get uh, personal commerce, the new sales channel. How do you see brands thinking about the personal commerce side of things, having it on their website, and then also tapping into influencers and We've had a lot of brands come on here just, you know, really saying um, how well YouTube works and using micro-influencers on there. How do you see the brands kind of, do they do both now? Do they just try and hone in on like what's happening on their website? Both are complementary. Personal commerce is not social commerce. It's a different beast, but it's adjacent. So uh, this is what we call the push thing. So the difference is the aim and the network that they use. Let me explain When you're a consumer and you want to go to a website and you pull for advice, we call it the pull uh, personal commerce, it's fine. Uh, You have an expert, you choose which one, and you ask for advice. But then there's the other way around, the proactive one, which is closer to the influencer marketing, which is, okay, now I'm an expert. I'm going to share that expertise with my circle of influence. You can confuse that with influencers. Okay, I have expertise. I recommend that honestly, that product to my micro network, um, that's closer to uh, social uh, commerce, for sure. But it's a subset of personal commerce, which is bigger. And I think that they are becoming aware that uh, there's more to personal commerce than just social uh, commerce. It's an extension. Got it. All right. I also want to hear your take on maybe some new technologies that you're most excited about, because it definitely seems like you've kind of spotted trends over the many years and, you know, jumped on them. And there's a lot of things that brands are thinking about right now, you know, playing in the metaverse, web 3.0, like NFTs, blockchain. And so all these things bubbling up and I want to hear, you know, maybe it's not with Plaza, but what things are you paying attention to right now? No, absolutely. Uh, actually, the beauty here, and now we have a name, you know, that people uh, tend to need labels and to put things in boxes with a label. Now we have a label, it's called metaverse. And what do we have to do with the metaverse? What is the metaverse? The metaverse is basically different people interacting through a virtual world, but it's people interacting with other people. We are the metaverse uh, store because we allow people to interact with other people via our platform, okay? Whether it's chat, video chat, or in the future, uh, something more fancy like uh, using goggles and seeing the product and maybe... Uh, feeling the product, okay, that's the way we are going. At the end, what really matters is not how you do it, is who is recommending you that product and helping you to decide that that's the right product for you. 
So, yeah, we are very keen on adopting these new technologies and helping uh, uh, consumers to, to use them. But with one thing in mind and one uh, big uh, tenet in mind, which is, okay, the most important thing is not selling on price, but selling on uh, value. And that value comes from the expertise that the expert provides you personally. Okay, Not just because Kim Kardashian thinks that those uh, shoes will look cool on everyone, but because they know that that Fitbit, that that uh, Garmin will serve you well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's actually a good way to think about it, because when you hear these words, you think it's a complete change of the way everything's happening right now. Like everything has to get turned upside down for it to work. And it's actually very helpful being like, we're already there. If you think about it, two people interacting virtually, maybe we've actually been doing this already a long time. This is just a new word. Absolutely. And there's advances to it. But a lot of brands can already play in this area and get ready. We need labels and now we have one. So now we can start working on, on that and understanding what fits into that label. And personal commerce is a, a good one. So while you're building Plaza right now, are you uh, starting to have any spin-off ideas where you're like getting the itch again? No. <laughs> no, not yet? We have a lot of ideas, but uh, all of them are surrounding uh, around the same core idea because uh, uh, the beauty, and this is why we jumped into the retail, because uh, remember, we were in business intelligence, in uh, cybersecurity, and now retail. Retail is so big and so rich that probably I will never get out of this uh, uh, market because it's evolving and uh, there's many, many, many different aspects uh, to get into consideration. So uh, no, no, no time for that. All right, well, let's jump over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Roger? No pressure. Yes, well, I don't know, we'll let you know. All right, what do you believe is either the most overrated or underrated technology? You can choose either one. Uh, blockchain, overrated. Overrated, okay, why? Right now, overrated, because everyone says that it, it can solve the cancer and uh, uh, famine in the world, and not yet. It will, but not today. When do you think it will start solving big problems? Same as internet in 10 years. Uh, today, we see a lot of uh, fluff projects and ideas. It's necessary to get those crazy ideas to get there, but uh, not yet, not yet. It's not solving the famine in the world and cancer, uh, not yet. So if you believe it'll come about in 10 years, actually be solving things, what are you investing in today around blockchain that is still going to be here in 10 years? I'm not investing in blockchain yet because I haven't seen the right usage for blockchain. Uh, let me give you an example. The other day, they told me that uh, I could invest in a blockchain company uh, to track the, uh, the freshness of a fish. Oh, yeah. And I'm flabbergasted because if you lie when, uh, when somebody puts the... The interaction, right, uh, between the physical world and the virtual world is where things get lost. So, yeah, blockchain tracks me everything since somebody said, truth or false, that that fish was fresh. I cannot trust the whole chain. I, I trust the blockchain, but not the previous step. So I cannot invest in a company that cannot assure me the freshness of a fish. So what's the point? Yeah, yeah. It's an example. Yeah. I'd also say go check out a company like Avery Dennison, who is already putting digital tags on everything and they can track. I mean, their examples were around things like that of tracking, you know, the warmth of what mayonnaise got to and where it actually originated from. And exactly. There's already companies who are probably doing it very different. But blockchain has wonderful use cases, but I haven't seen many that are uh, worth investing on. What is a book that you come back to time and time again to read? 48 Laws of Power. It's an amazing book. The, uh, teach me well on personal levels and business levels. Mm -hmm. 
That is a good one. And it's fun to read. It's a very good one. Yep. What's a piece of a business advice that you've received that you think about? <sighs> Many, because uh, I'm, I'm a doubtful person. You have to be ready to lose in order to win. That's a good one. They taught me that 25 years ago. It was a sales rep. And uh, before the meeting, he said, before we get in, we may lose this one. And this is the only way to win. And I was flabbergasted and we won. And he said crazy things there, but he was ready to lose. So I use that a lot. That's good. I like that. Actually, very important to think about. And it kind of takes away a lot of the pressure that I think oftentimes ruins things when people get like, oh, no, this is like the last Absolutely. biggest meeting of the year. No, there'll be more. It'll be OK. <laughs> I used it yesterday. Uh, I, I told my, my team exactly that. I took off once I decided we are going to lose this one, but this is what we have to do. Then all the pressure is off. Before that, we were under under the water. <laughs> That's good. What's the hardest problem you're trying to work through right now? It could be a business problem. It can be, I mean, anything. Growth is uh, right now. Uh, if something is different today from 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago when I started, is how fast things are going and need to go in order to be successful. That leads to mistakes and sometimes big mistakes. And uh, balance, the right decision, the right calm and the and execution is uh, what is taking my, my, night, my nights off because we never grow fast enough. And sometimes I wonder why, but yeah. this is the most challenging thing. That is a, a very tough one. All right. And then the last one, if you were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And who would your first guest be? How to live a, a meaningful life. Entrepreneurs sometimes lose sight of what really matters in this life. Uh, I think that I never did that, but uh, so many hours, so many worries, because um, uh, you always have ups and downs. This is a roller coaster. Some days you eat the world, is not lose sight of uh, what really matters. And that would be a good podcast for uh, fellow entrepreneurs that uh, they measure themselves about the success that they have. That would be the podcast that I would create, yeah. if any. Oh, that's a good one. I wouldn't know how to do that, but if We're I... We're here, Roger. That, we'll help you. I like that. That's, yeah, thank you. That's a great one. Well, Roger, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure hearing all about you know your background and Plaza. Where can people learn more about Plaza? Plaza.com with an H. It's P-L-A-Z-A-H. All right. Love it. Thanks, Roger. Thank you very much. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.